Welcome to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. How about this? If we call this tonight Ladies' Night. Y'all okay with that? Well, I mean, I mean the worship team and Pastor Joe. But anyway, uh, Russell Ann and Carla. Wow, my heart was just beating so hard. And thank you. It was just everything that we have, we prayed for. It was just beautiful. Thank you so much. So when Pastor Joe gave me the okay that, that I could sort of have tonight and, and have my way and see what, see what comes together, uh, I thought of these ladies here. And then it was so funny when I started my notes, I just called them my running buddies. And then, you know how Joe loves Mr. Google. Uh, he said Google is just it's where we run to get all definition for things. But here's what it said for the running buddies. Running buddy is more than just someone who runs next to you. A running buddy is someone who pushes you, motivates you, and supports you through all the joys and the struggles of running. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, it talks about we're running the race together. And I know all of us, we even have in this room just a handful, a big handful of running buddies. I would highly recommend, no matter what you've been through in life, get a group of running buddies that will motivate you, help you through your struggles, your victories, but that will say, we're going to finish this race together. Amen? It's a good thing. So about a month ago, Justin, would you stand up? Justin, Michael, thank you so much. Just wanted them to see where this came from, what's in my heart tonight. It's about a month ago he came and spoke to our staff, and he shared on the significance of kingdom feet. And I think I cried from start to finish, and you know what? I think it was 12 pages of notes that you just, like, got us through it was so good. So here's kind of how he started it. The feet. The feet were how Jesus got from town to town to preach the gospel of the kingdom. The feet were how the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ was carried by the disciples of Jesus to the ends of the earth. The feet. And he gave us, uh, he gave me the notes, and I was just so taken by uh, you know, in the Old Testament, New Testament, through Jesus' life. And then he kind of rounds things out with our beautiful feet. But there were a couple examples that Justin took us through. And one of them, of course, is Mary Magdalene. And in John 12, when she pours the oil over the feet of Jesus and wipes it with her hair, and those that were around them just said, you know, why are you doing that, this costly oil? And why his feet? Why not his head? And just as Russell Ann so beautifully brought it up, is uh, that was just really important to Jesus. I think that we went and he went to that low place, that place that really it was servants and slaves that would wash feet. But what Jesus said about this woman in Matthew 26, after Mary Magdalene, 
poured the oil on his feet, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in this world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. These feet she anointed carried the cross for our salvation. And there were so many things also in the, the note just about the feet is sort of when Moses had the encounter with God and God was like, it's okay, Moses. It's you and I. It's important that you take your sandals off. And he just wanted Moses to just expose the darkest, dirtiest places of his life. That's just sort of how feet were back then. They just had sandals. But I just think if we can get a spiritual idea of just how important when we uh, really do get into the word uh, washing feet and just what God wants us to do when he says go into all the world and how beautiful are the feet that those that bring the good news so that is in Isaiah 52 let me read you that how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news who proclaim peace who bring glad tidings of good good things who proclaim salvation who says to Zion our God reigns so then Justin said who will carry the gospel who will preach good news, Matthew 9. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And in, in Joshua 1, it says, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given you. And so tonight, I sort of want to honor my running buddies. And they have kingdom feet. And I want to just introduce them, then they're going to, Take it away after, after this, but um, thank you all for being my friends and for just following in the footsteps of Jesus and what he's laid on all our hearts and your hearts. And so kind of wanted to have fun with how I introduce. This is Jane Rowland right here. Hey, that's like champagne on legs right there. That's what they say. Ginger Carmen. And Brandy McDonald. So I'm kind of having fun like how to introduce them. And so I'm just going to do all three right now. And then they're each going to share with us. And there is no gong. Pastor Joe, you're not going to be able to gong us after we're, our 10-minute time is up. And then we are going to have some more beautiful worship. And just I want you to just take in all just worthy as a lamb, all that Jesus is going to bring to us in the Holy Spirit tonight. But I said, if you're looking for Jane Rowland, well, she's loving on all of us, isn't she? She's hiding in a closet in her house so she can love each one of us, listen to our stories, pray for us, and encourage us because she ha used, to, now you have a, even a bigger family. She has 10 children and two of them are married now. But Jane, sometimes the little ones would go, mommy, mommy. And I said, where are you, Jane? Well, she'd have to hide in the closet so she could sit on the phone with me for an hour at least. But here's the fun thing about Jane Rowland. We all think we're Jane's best friend, but we are, right? I mean, it's like, what a joy. And the minute she says hello, you will love her at hello. But she does a gratitude journal. How many years have you done the journal? About 11 years. Seven years? 11. 11. 
11 years, and I'm not kidding you, she has a journal 365 days a year, stacks and stacks and stacks of gratitude journals. Again, she's the best friend to all of us. She has kingdom feet not only in her home, but here at our church. Those of us that know Jane Rowland, she has a sure foundation under her feet. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jane, for everything. Ginger, if you're looking for Ginger Carmen, well, she's reaching the world, and she's just around the world. And her husband, Rob, which we all love, he's with us now tonight. We, we lost him here on earth a few, a few years ago. But here's the thing. You are still reaching the world. And you always will. And they would go to the hardest places, the darkest places. But you always said yes. And you still are. She lives a life of integrity in all areas of her life. She has kingdom feet wherever they land. Can I get an amen to that? Thank you, Ginger Carmen, for everything. And in Brandy, I said, if you're looking for Brandy, she's the one that, they, that people are saying, who is that girl in the room? That she's got so much passion and tenacity. I said, that's our girl, Brandy. And here's what I think Brandy says. I want to make disciples, Nancy. Disciples of Jesus now, you know, to everyone that she meets. She will finish this race with her kingdom feet. Not one day is wasted for Brandy and for Jane and for Ginger. And we have several good running buddies in the room, but tonight these, these three graciously said yes. But anyway, so here we go. I'm going to hand it off to Jane Rowland. I love you guys. Bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. Hello, everybody. It's such an honor to be here tonight. And Pastor Nancy, thank you so much. You are the one that leads us in the race of, the, of this, um, this race that we're running, and we're so thankful for you. Um, okay, I have 10 minutes, and so I'm going to make these 10 minutes good. Are you ready? <laughs> I've got four words for you. Make room for God. Let me hear you say it. Make room for God. This Christmas, it was a dream come true for a mama's heart. I had all 14 of my children in my home over Christmas break. It was, and they trickled in for 14 days. I, I don't have 14 children. I have 10 children. I'm sorry. I, honey, you're not a child. <laughs> I have 10 children, two spouses, so um, I don't have two spouses. <laughs> My children have two spots. I have 12 kids now. And can I give a shout out to my man, Matthew Rowland? Look, I was sitting over here. I looked over there and my heart skipped a beat. Really, after 28 years, I was like, whew, where'd that come from? That heart skipped. I don't know if it's because you shaved this morning or what, honey, but you're looking fine. And I'm so thankful for you. So dream come true. All my kids were home over Christmas. One problem. We have a dining room table that comfortably fits about eight to 10, okay? And so we had all 14 of us home, and a few days before um, Christmas Day, I just wanted to make Christmas Day special, that Christmas dinner. I said, honey, is there anything we can do to make more room? And he was like, no, he's a no first kind of guy. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> 
I'm like, can you build us something? No, no. Can we push out the wall? No. And he's like, well, we'll just, we can split everybody up. No. And that was my no. That's not an option. We're all sitting together at Christmas dinner. We're going to make this work. And um, so it came to Christmas Day. We just set the table nice and we decide, okay, we're just going to squish right here. And can I tell you, having a family as big as ours, it can be a little chaotic at dinner. Look, I'm left-handed, so I'm like hitting people with my elbow. I mean, we have stories going on. We have lots of fun and, you know, water getting spilled, all kinds of things. If you're a mom, you know what that's like. We got our seven-year-old standing on the bench. I mean, anything can happen. And so (laughs) it can be a little chaotic. So anyway, we were just preparing the table, and all of a sudden, one of my kids, I don't know if it was Abby or Patrick, um, Abby's husband said, we should move the table to to the living room. And I'm not a girl who likes change, so my first answer was, no, that's not gonna work. (laughs) And then as we thought about it, we thought, yes, let's make room. Let's move our table to the living room. And that's what we did. I got a picture of this right here. We moved that table to the, we usually squish way over in that to the right side. We moved it there, look at that room. It was beautiful, we had the family pictures, we had the tree from Pastor Nancy and everything, it was beautiful. And then I've got another picture of us all squished in there, all 14 of us at the table. But that's my setup for making room. We need to make room. And um, it makes all the difference when we make room for something, for someone, for the presence of God. It brings joy. It brings peace to our lives. There's a few things that need to be adjusted, just like we adjusted, um, adjusted the table. There's a few things that we need to adjust in our lives for more peace, more joy, more presence in our lives, more of his presence in us, on us, and through us. There's a verse I wanna read for you, and throughout my life, there's different verses that God highlights, and it might not be for a whole year, it might be for five years, but this verse has been highlighted in my life. It's Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. This verse is his prayer for us. How do we make room? As I was praying about this, there were three words that the Lord gave me about making room for him in our lives so that we can be filled and overflowing with his presence. And those words are remove, reorder, restore. Remove, how do I know what needs to be removed to make room for his presence in my life? Simply, it says right here in this verse, may the God of hope fill you with peace and joy. If there's things in our lives that are taking away from that peace and that joy, then there's not room for him to fill us with, our, with his presence. So we need to stop and ask the Holy Spirit, what things are filled in my life that are not bringing peace and joy? What do I need to remove to make room for his presence? It says in Hebrews 12:1, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that easily entangles us. Sometimes those things are sin in our lives and we need to ask the Holy Spirit, what are those things that we need to remove from our lives? And you know what, I'm, look, my husband always makes fun of me because I am attracted to bad news. (laughs) 
I mean, I, I can find the worst article that you ever heard of. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's in my thoughts. Look, sometimes we need to remove some of those thought patterns that get into our head. And it, that's by the renewing of the mind and it takes work. So sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's things that the Holy Spirit shows us and sometimes it's our thought patterns. And look, I'm not gonna be the Holy Spirit for you tonight, but you know, and you can simply ask, Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, show me what I need to remove in my life so that I can have more of your presence. The second word, reorder. Now all of you guys know we have a big family and everything has a place in our home though. If you walked, I don't know what most of you picture for a family of 12, what a home would be like. I think before I had this big family, I would just think it was chaotic, stuff everywhere. I mean, 12 people, you gotta have things everywhere. Well, I'm not gonna toot my horn, but I will a little bit. <laughs> it's taken a lot of training, it's taken a lot of um, time, but um, over the years, we have learned how to find a place for everything in our home. Because in our home, if things are everywhere, it's a little chaotic. And this might not be for everybody. Some of you just thrive in chaos, and that's awesome. But in our home, we need to have some peace. And so, so we um, have a place for everything. Except there's one thing I am the queen of, and that's junk drawers. Can I hear it for the junk drawer? <laughs> Am I right? Yes. <laughs> I have about four junk drawers in my house, and um, those junk drawers typically bring me joy because I can just kind of shove a few things in their junk drawers. They do not bring my husband joy. I can tell you, one of the ways I can make him super happy is to text him and say, honey, I cleaned out the junk drawers today, <laughs> and it makes him so happy. Look, you guys, some of us have some junk drawers in our lives, and it, it, might not, it might be good things, some special things, but we need to reorder that stuff. We need to get it put in the places that it's supposed to be so that we can have room for his presence in our lives. Let's open those junk drawers and let's get those places, those things in order and where they need to be. Let's make room because our God is a God of order and he wants to be welcomed and he is welcomed in a place of order. So the awesome thing is, is that he's with us. He doesn't just not show up. He's with us to help us put things into order. He's with us to help remove things. And, to, and sometimes that order is, is figuring out what priorities we have. Let's look and see like what things are above where they need to be or below where they need to be. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us so that we can make more room for his presence. Take inventory of your life, what's out of order and needs to be put in place. So we have removed, we've reordered, and now we can restore. God is a God of restoration. Once, once those things in our life are removed and reordered, he can come in, he's there, and he can bring restoration in our lives. Because, and when we are filled, we are overflowing with hope. He's called us, just like that verse says, may the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's called us to be people that restore hope to others. He's not a God of barely enough. 
He's not a God of a little bit. He's not a God of halfway. He's not a God of three quarters. He's not a God of seven eighths. He's not a God of nine tenths. He's a God of overflow. He's going to overflow as we open our hearts, as we allow his peace and his joy to come in. He is going to overflow out of us and we are going to be weapons in the hand of the Lord. We're going to be weapons in his hand to bring hope and joy and peace to others. So let's be ones that are restored. We're restored and we offer restoration by his hope. Romans 15, 13, I'm praying this over you. May the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, listen, everything that Jane says about her home being in order, I can testify. I've even, I thought, you know, when I first visited her home and everything is in order with that many kids, I thought, okay, she's just cleaned it up for me. Well, I don't live very far, and there's a Costco that's not very far from her. So I've, I've actually called and said, hey, Jane, I'm on my way. I'm like, you know, three minutes out. And I go in the house, and it's perfect. And I'm thinking, okay, so either she has superpowers or she's threatened her children or something. But I can testify that Jane is, and it's, what she says is absolutely true. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to thank Pastor Joe and Nancy for, you know, your friendship, your support, your love. You know, everything that I have been through in the last year and a half, it'll be almost two years this year, uh, I just really appreciate what you've done, but especially at this time of year to bring about the presence of God at the first of the year, to really bring, to have a place. You have brought that room. You have made room. You know, we have dining rooms. We have living rooms. We have bedrooms. This is a room that they have created for the presence of God. So thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I was, at, I was at Kroger's shopping when uh, Nancy called me and asked me if I would consider speaking. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put my earpiece in my ear, and, you know, my mom's asking me a question. I'm saying, wait, 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 I'm, on the, I'm, you know, I'm pointing to my ear. And uh, she said, well, what do you, what do you think? What, what do you think is your, you know, what do you, what do you feel? And I said, well, what's your theme? You know, because I thought, well, if it's running, okay, I've got to come up with something about running, you know, which I'm not a runner. Rob was the runner. Uh, and I thought, no, no. She said, well, it's presence. And I thought, oh, good. You know, at least I know something about that, you know. So I thought, okay, all right. So I just thought I would share with you what God's presence means in my life. You know, I accepted Jesus when I was 12 years old. So I've served God for 54 years. So all of those that are, can do math, you'll know exactly how old I am now. Uh, I've, you know, traveling and being married early, I've seen a lot, I've done a lot, I've loved a lot, and I've suffered a loss. But in my journey through life, I know that there's one thing that I need every day, and that's his presence. You know, now when you think of the presence of God, what do you think comes to his mind? What, do I think, what, what comes to your mind? What do you think? Well, sometimes, some people think it's like smoke, okay? Some people think maybe, maybe it's a cloud, Maybe that's what you think the presence of God is. Maybe it's lightning. 
when you feel the presence of God, what do you think it feels like? Do you think that it, you have a, this warm feeling, you know, like a, a puppy? That's, that, that's, that's nice. That's not my dog, but it's a good picture. Or do you think it, it feels like a cup of hot coffee? And they swirl around. Or how about a warm fire? What does the presence of God feel? Well, I, I'd like to tell you that I have three steps, five ways, 15 keys to the, his presence. But I don't have that. I can't tell you how if you're a sanguine or if you're a melancholy, how you can discover God's presence. I have not figured out which one of those or any of them that I am. I can't tell you that. Well, but I can tell you that last year, I, I was eating my healthy nutty toast. And I, I, I bit down into it and I thought, wow, this, that's a big piece of a nut. Uh, it wasn't a nut. It was my tooth. Yeah. And so, you know, the only thing I was really glad is I didn't swallow it. You know, that would have been worse. So I thought, well, I'll take it, you know, I, I put it in a bag and I thought I'll, you know, I'll, go, I'll take it to the dentist. And I thought, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crown, so they'll just, you know, glue that thing back on. So I walked into the dentist with my little Ziploc bag and handed it to them. And they, you know, took all the x-rays. And uh, I said, okay, well, I'm ready for the glue. And they said, oh, no, mm -mm, there's no hope for that. You're not, you're not going to be able to glue that thing back in. They said, you're going to have to have an, an implant. And I said, okay, great, let's put it in. Well, I had no idea. I just thought, you know, you see those commercials on TV where somebody walks in with no teeth, and then they walk out of the office with a full head of teeth. And I thought, well, that should be, you know, that should be really easy. I should be able to do that. Well, the dentist just laughed at me and said, no, 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 we got to do something else. So they drilled into my mouth and they, you know, they do all the stitches and they do all that. And they, and I said, well, this is really inconvenient because it's next to my eye tooth. So when I would smile, you know, you'd see this gap and, you know, who wants to look? I was, it was, it was past Halloween. So I didn't think that that was really good. Thank God it wasn't my front tooth. So uh, I said, well, what am I going to do? And they said, well, we're going to give you a, we're going to give you a flipper. And I thought, what's a flipper? I thought, I have no idea what a flipper is. And so they gave me this little thing here. Okay. I'm going to show you my flipper. I'm going to show you my flipper. This is a flipper. It looks really nasty. It's like, it's like a, 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 like a retainer and you're supposed to put it in your mouth. And they said, it's really easy to do. <clears throat> it wasn't easy to do at all was not easy to do at all. And you know, and I said, well, what happens, what happens with it? They said, well, you can't eat with it. I thought, well, what good is that if I can't eat with it? Well, it's just supposed to look good. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to look good. So I thought, well, okay, I'll look good. So I put it in and I kind of talk like this. And I, I did a Zoom call and everybody's, what's wrong with you? And I got this flipper in my mouth. And so I thought, okay, this is not, this is definitely not working. And I thought, how am I supposed to go eat with it? Or I have to, you know, you excuse the person, you have to say, excuse me, I've got to use the, you know, where's the toilet? I've got to go in there. And I spent 15 minutes in there trying to get that stupid thing out. And I thought, this is ridiculous. But, you know, I had a hard time. It really bothered me because I had a hard time. I couldn't smile the same. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to laugh, you know, so you just do that little polite laugh. <laughs> Because you don't want anybody to see that you're missing a, a tooth. Well, you know, I really wanted that tooth back. I needed that, I needed that tooth back. Well, you know, 
that's like the presence of God. Now, what does that have to do with the presence of God? I'm going to tell you. I had, I not only had a gap, but I had a hole. You know, they, they, before they put the implant in there, there's a, there's a hole in there. And they tell you, okay, so there went my nutty bread. There went any kind of seeds because you can't get anything in it. So that limits you. And I had to eat on a different side. I had to, I, I couldn't do certain things. All right. Now, maybe that seems really silly to you, but it was very important to me. I like to eat and I like to talk. So, you know, those two things were completely out. Now, my mother told me she didn't, you know, see anything, but of course, all mothers would tell you that. But I had something that was non-functional. Sometimes when we think about the presence of God, if you don't have the presence of God, you have, you have a gap you have a hole in your life. You can't function right. I couldn't talk properly. I couldn't eat properly. When you don't have the presence of God, what happens in our lives? We desperately, desperately need the presence of God. And you know, you can't, I couldn't feel that. I couldn't wear this thing because it was fake. It was an imitation. How many imitations and fake things do we have in our lives? Just exactly what Jane was talking about. We have things in our life. We have, we have uh, the, the fake Instagram pictures and the fake Facebook pictures. And uh, we have all of those things, but they're fake. They're not real. But I can tell you something. The presence of God is very, 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 very real. It's very real in my life. You know, I have a little sign on my nightstand by my bed that says, In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. That's what I want. I want Jesus in my life. And I just would encourage all of you that we, this, this time, Pastor Joe and Nancy and Trinity Church and the worship team has made a place for you, has made a room for you to enjoy and get the presence of God. I don't know how people can live without it. You know, you can go, you can, in the middle of the night... You can have, you can go on, you can Google everything. You can go on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of the entertainment. But in the middle of the night when you're lonely and you're desperate and you're depressed, the only thing that we have is the presence of God. That's the only thing that we have. And so I would encourage you tonight. In the Bible, it says in Psalm 139, 7, it says, Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? I never want to flee from his presence. So it's my prayer that the remainder of this conference that you'll seek after and give yourself to the presence of God because there's nothing like it. That's a word right there. You can't fake God's presence. They tried to do that in the Old Testament, or the New Testament, probably Old Testament too, but um, when Jesus would cast out demons, they said he taught with new authority because apparently the old way of casting out demons was creating um, a, a scene, you know? But Jesus didn't do that. He just said, come out. He just said, come out, and it was done. Um, I am so thankful for this conference. I'm thankful for the word that Jane brought, that Ginger brought, that Pastor Nancy set up, that foot washing 
was absolutely moving and beautiful and such a picture of the heart of Jesus. And when Pastor Nancy asked me to share, the thing that was stirring in my heart was all things new. And not just because it was a new year, although it's an obvious time to think about new things, but all things new. We serve a God who operates in the new. Y'all understand that? He operates in the new. He creates, he gives life, he operates in the new. And as I was preparing this, God took me in a direction that I did not expect. And he said, God can do a new thing in a tough time. So tonight, that's what I'm going to talk about. God can do a new thing in a tough time. And I love the Old Testament because the Old Testament is raw. Know what I mean? Raw. And it's very entertaining. Uh, I recommend stopping the TV and opening up the Old Testament. Um, just a side note. Okay. So um, when you think of King David, so raw, real man after God's own heart. But King David had a major moral failure. Major. Multiples in a row, right? What did King David do? He sent out his soldier, had him killed so he could take his wife. And then the prophet Nathan confronted him because maybe David was sorry, but maybe he hadn't thought about it. Maybe he was caught up in the moment. But the prophet Nathan told him a parable and basically said, this person has all the things in the world. He's got the cattle, the, the kingdom, the this, that, and the other. He's got wives. There was this poor man over here who had like one house and one wife. And that man that had everything took the one thing that the poor man had. And what does David say? He should, he should die. He should give everything back four times. And then the prophet Nathan said, that's you. That's what you did. But what did David do in the moment of this moral failure? It caused two deaths. It had the death of the gentleman, can't remember his name at the moment, but then also the death of the baby of the union between him and Bathsheba. In that moment, after the confrontation, King David wrote out Psalm 51, 10 through 12. And I believe he wrote this because he knew there was no way he could clean up this mess. No way. There's blood on his hands two times. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You see, when we miss it, when we have a failure of some kind, big or small, we don't feel deserving of God's presence. We certainly don't feel worthy of his spirit. But David knew that he could be restored to the presence of God. But he knew he had to turn to God, not away from him. So he finishes up, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. What a moment, what a moment. What can we learn from David in this? That in the midst of failure, turn to God, not away from him, because God can do a new thing in a tough time. That was a tough time, but what came next? Solomon. And how many of you know that was a new thing? Solomon was a new thing. 
The next that we see in the Old Testament is the prophet Isaiah. I love the prophets. Hard to read, hard to understand, but I recommend doing it anyway. Read it anyway. Read it anyway. So, the prophet Isaiah, he was raised up in a time to confront the nation of Israel because of their what? Their sin, their rebellion, and their hard-heartedness. But also, to declare hope that there was a Messiah coming, okay? And so, the prophet Isaiah told the children of Israel, look, you can repent, like turn away. And they mocked him. They basically were like, be quiet. We're happy doing what we're doing. We're happy chasing after the false gods. We're fine. So anyway, so they kept doing their thing. Isaiah kept declaring the word of the Lord as the Lord had him declare it. And even in the midst of their stubbornness and their rebellion, you know, God is merciful. We, we don't deserve his mercy. The Israelites, if you've ever read, you sometimes are like, how could they not get it? I mean, when you have a prophet tell you, just repent. And they're like, no, I don't think so. I like these gods. I like this life. As a matter of fact, they said, we're actually doing fine with these idols and our lives are blessed. So carry on, Isaiah. But Isaiah was prompted by the Lord to speak in the midst of the Israelites in captivity and in exile. Okay, that's not a good place. And also, their mess led them to that place. It was the consequence of their sin. God just didn't send them there. They made their own bed, and God said, this is your consequence for your rebellion. But he had the prophets speak hope in the midst of captivity. Maybe you're captive today by something. And the prophet Isaiah in chapter 43, verse 18 through 19, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Last time I checked, nobody wants to walk through a wasteland. I don't want to walk. If I'm going to take a route, it's not that route. But also God was doing a new thing with a new covenant coming later. This is all encompassing and there's a lot to it. But the point is, is they were in a bad spot. But God declared a new thing for them, even though they could not perceive it. What can we learn? That even in exile, even if we're captive, that God can bring about a new thing. He can bring about a new thing. And he can do a new thing in a tough time. I don't know what has you captive. I don't know what has you locked up. But know that, that the God of heaven through Jesus Christ can lead you through that wasteland, that dried up stream, that desert that you're in. What it really, what we need to do is stop turning away from God and trying to figure it out on our own and turn to God. As a matter of fact, my eight-year-old asked me the other day, what does it mean, Mom, to, to take matters into your own hands? <laughs> it's a great question. I mean, an eight-year-old, I mean, they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, that's a great question. I said, well, the best example I can give you, many of you know she wanted a puppy. I said, you know what, taking matters into your own hands with the dog would have been finding a stray dog and bringing the dog home and saying, 
I wanted a dog, Mom. I took matters into my own hands. Here was a free one, and I brought it home. Uh -huh. And I'm like, and that would have gone terribly. You don't bring home a dog when it's not welcome, okay? We weren't ready for a dog. But it took a year for me to get ready for the dog. It took a year. It was God's timing. And we not only got a dog, but we got the right dog for our family. He's a blessing, not a curse. Right? When you take matters into your own hands, a lot of times, people, you will bring a curse on yourself because you're stepping outside. You're relying on yourself. So we want to be God-reliant. The next one is the prophet Jeremiah. He was a prophet for the kingdom of Judah for 40 years. Jeremiah saw the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Can you imagine how hard and traumatic that would be? He saw that with his own eyes. And he knew this was coming and he warned the people because that's what God did is he sends warnings. He does not hit you blindsided. He really doesn't. We're just not looking and listening. He warned the people for decades about what was happening, but they couldn't escape it because it, there were consequences for that sin and the rebellion. But what did Jeremiah say in the book of Lamentations when he literally saw destruction before him? The people are scattered every which way. He said in Lamentations, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. When everything has fallen apart and is destroyed, and you don't have anything to stand on, we stand on the rock of Jesus. We stand on the fact that we have his presence. He sent Jesus to dwell among us, to give us the Holy Spirit. He did not leave us orphans. He did not leave us on our own. But what we see is we see these people in the Old Testament who faced really tough times. But instead of turning away from God, what did they do? They turned to him. They turned to him. So what can we learn from Jeremiah is that when all seems lost, we put our hope and trust in the Lord. Because why? God can do a new thing in a tough time. And losing everything is a tough time. That's a tough time. So I'm gonna close with this because the book of Revelation offers hope that no matter how tough things get, that God has warned us and, and given us hope that Jesus is coming back. If he came the first time, he will return. He absolutely will return. So you can follow along with me on the screen, but I want you to just let these words sink in because it is a hope for our future for today. Revelation 21, one through seven. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among 
his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. He sees every tear you've cried and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And the one sitting on the throne said, this is Jesus. Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. If Jesus tells you to write it down, write it down, take it to the bank and cash it. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. He makes all things new. Will you stand with me? We're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts at this time but I just wanna pray over us and then we'll have a time of worship and just let the Lord love on you. Father God, I thank you that no matter what we've lost, what pain we have, what has been stolen or taken from us, that we decide today we'll be a people from now on to turn towards you and not from you, that you are the one, God, who can create in me a new heart, who can wash me fresh and new, that that is only by the work of your power and your Holy Spirit, oh God. Wash us new. Let us make room for you. Let us not be overcrowded in our heart with doubt and unbelief and fear, Lord, but let clean that out. Only you can do that, oh God. Let us make room for you so that your presence can flow. We don't want an empty hole. We want that hole in our heart to be filled with the presence of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper in today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.